On this episode of The Failure Report, we examine how Brian Wallace has made failing a daily goal and how his failures have become a major contributing factor to his success. All righty, Brian Wallace, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you being uh, willing to take some time out of your extremely busy schedule to be on this episode of The Failure Report. So thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Hope you're doing well. I oh, like yeah. Your well, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, we have we have um, our Indian chief here, and anytime that I need to be a negotiator and be kind, I can be. And then the minute I need to step on the battlefield, I can. So I channel his energy when I need him. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Instead of just posturing with like a bunch of books or some banner or whatever, like everybody does. Yeah. Why not be a little different? Yeah, Perhaps. be a little different. I appreciate it. Thank you. Like so this is greetings from my dining room, also known as my home office. We're in the middle of COVID-19. No matter when you're watching this, this is a stamp in our life that we're never going to forget. And so this is a little bit dim- different format than we're accustomed to. But again, this is just an honor to have, have the opportunity to speak with you today. Yeah. So pleasure. I want to start at the top. Tell me about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? All those good things. Sure. So my name is Brian Wallace. I'm the founder and president of a company called NowSourcing. Started with my wife almost 14 years ago, just depending on when you're listening to this. Wow. So that would be back in 2006, for those of you who are a little math challenged with too much uh, stats thrown at you with COVID-19 day and night. Right. So uh, born and raised in New York proper. So born in Brooklyn, but if you notice, I don't really sound like that. I sound more like a Midwestern weatherman. <laughs> and that's because I grew up in the suburbs, a place called Rockland County. For those of you who aren't familiar with the area, it's basically, depending on traffic, whatever that is these days, that's about 45 minutes north of New York City, over the George Washington Bridge and up the Hudson River Line. Awesome. And after wanting to get out of that grind, because who would want to do that every day? And again, we're in like a whole other version of normal now. So it's almost weird to kind of have this narrative. But back in the day, boys and girls, there was this thing called traffic and this thing right. called luxury and this thing called houses costing too much. But nowadays, everybody wants to go away from some of those places. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I actually got to visit Louisville, Kentucky back in 2001, a few weeks before 9-11. And then we went back to New York for 9-11 and it's like, oh, well, I don't know about yeah. this. Yeah. A few years after working for a variety of different organizations in technology, now I'm much more marketing than technology, we left New York in favor of Louisville, yeah. right around like the whole mortgage housing crisis and all that kind of stuff. Since we um, talk about failures, there's an endemic failure of society. Way to go. <laughs> Great job. Greed. Yay. So, um, yeah. So like I said, from New York, kind of had enough of that grind after a while. And um, for a variety of reasons, uh, while the company's still based in Louisville, I and my family moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, just mm-hmm. upriver. Yeah. Five years ago now. So awesome. very virtual anyway. So like this whole new normal stuff, everybody's freaking out. I'm like, well, we just do stuff on the internet. Everybody's kind of happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. And we do. And it's so interesting because my team has never lived or operated in the same nucleus as myself. You know what I mean? A small group yeah. of them to have, but I've always navigated time zones. I've always met individuals virtually. It's kind of, um, it's normal to me, but right. you know, to have it exclusive is a new normal for me. I am accustomed to grabbing a cup of coffee every once in a while or having a lunch meeting every once in a while, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Wait, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but this is this is definitely different. So you know, you talk about your uh, your your company now that you've been managing for fourteen tell, fourteen years with your wife. Mm-hmm. Tell me what it, that is and what you all do. Sure. So now sourcing does a very specific thing that a lot of people either think they know and they don't really know, or they take it for granted and they don't really understand beyond the tip of the iceberg. Mark Twain has a wonderful quote. It's not the stuff that you don't know that gets you into trouble, but it's the stuff that you do know that just isn't so. Yeah. Ooh. Ever seen the movie, The Big Short? He talks about that. Uh, they yeah. talk about that to start off the movie, but Forgetting the movie, the quote is really interesting. Everybody yeah. thinks that they understand how things work, and then when you actually peel back some of the layers, you'll find that that's not really the case. Mm-hmm. So when I tell people that I make infographics, they're like, oh yeah, I made one too in 20 minutes in my do-it-yourself tool. I'm like, well, <laughs> get a basketball player $64 million contract by putting together all the research and emotion and storytelling and stats and media outreach? No? Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So we have over the years harnessed a lot of influencing how people think. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, simple is not easy. If right. you are an expert, most people who say that they're experts aren't because, you know, the internet. But right. most people who think that they're experts, really they're talking about subject matter expertise. Mm-hmm. And subject matter experts really are good at explaining the same stuff on a really highly technical, complex level to other subject matter experts. And then they can all rejoice in a circle and dance around and say, wow, we're experts and nobody understands what the heck we're talking about. (laughs) Real expertise is taking that from a simplicity perspective and categorizing it and organizing it in a way that anybody could find Mm -hmm. it approachable, interesting, and get at least some basic understanding of what's going on. So that's really what we do. We make things simple. We help, yeah, we help people just really kind of figure out what their product, what their service is, because everybody, I guess, along the way forgets how people think. And I don't really know why that is, because we're people and we think. Yeah. But people don't make decisions on product comparison grids and tech specs and pages of nonsense and owner's manuals and stuff. They make emotional decisions and they ask their friends and their colleagues and the internet and five-star Amazon reviews and whatever, right? Yeah. And then... After they get that emotional hook, then there's some kind of story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. In a lot of cases, the buyer's journey where the buyer is the hero of the story, right? Mm -hmm. And you go through all of those predictable steps, just like any movie or book or narrative that we've ever heard of, right? Right, right. After all that, you can have all the tech specs and whatever knowledge, whatever data points to back up all of that. So that's really what we do. It's just kind of combining research, design, and then some sort of weird mix between public relations and SEO. And I love it. That's busy. a perfect explanation. <laughs> you know, not my first review. So, I, will, I love it because I found you on, um, on LinkedIn and your infographics are so intriguing because they do. They tell this story and this buyer's journey of how if I wanted to look at a product or if I'm trying to understand really complex data, how do I do that in a way that is done it with, with understanding how I interpret or internalize information? So I'm talking about like large scale numbers and big concepts and data. Uh, so now, um, now, sourcing, now sourcing is able to really process all of those things down to like the minutest of, of, of details so that you can understand it. The first time that I saw it, I was blown away. And I was like, now this makes sense because we do a lot of infographics for nonprofits who are trying to take take and understand really complex data that they're, they're, they're interpreting. So to find another company that um, 
that does not, I, I almost said the same, and that would not be the true truth. That does what we aspire to do, okay? <laughs> was amazing, was absolutely amazing. But you know, we've talked about being in business for 14 years. I've been a business owner. This is my 16th year uh, in, the, in my current position. And uh, failures are just kind of part of what we do. Right before we press record on this on this conference, we were like, yeah, if you're not really feeling every day, you're probably not doing a lot of things right. And, you know, you said something so important about everyone being able to call themselves an expert. My, my catch is like between me, Google and God, I can do anything. You know what I mean? But does that make me an expert at it? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? But I'm sure that you have an epic tale uh, of, a, of a failure report and I, I'm ready to dig in. Like I'm ready to know how you got this far and this successful in business. Because like I said, though, despite the fact that we attempt to put together infographics the way that you do, um, some of the boards that you sit on, you're on the advisory board for South by Southwest, you're on the board for uh, for Google, you've been cited uh, in, in obsessions like um, in um, periodicals like Forbes. That doesn't come without a lot of hard work. You know, we don't just get here today. And that's the whole premise of the failure report is to tell a cautionary tale to the next generation of how to get where you are um, and some of those stepping stools. And along those stepping, those steps, I'm sure you've hit some missteps. And so I would love to know that story. Sure. So I think that everybody looks for all this overnight success garbage. And it's just not how things work. Join Effort Business and Marketing Consulting specializes in finding solutions for startups, small businesses, and nonprofits. We offer branding, marketing, social media management, development, and capacity building consulting services to companies who are just starting out or need help taking their business to the next level. Please contact us online for a consultation at joineffortllc.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Join Effort LLC. I think I like to tell people, first off, you're probably not meant to be an entrepreneur. And then people are <laughs> Say that again. Advice on how to do it. And I'm like, oh, good. So you actually want to fight back. Maybe you have half a chance. Right. But the reality is, is any given day, you know, you're going to have a good day. You're going to have a bad day, even multiple times within the same day, like weather in our region, right? It's going to be yeah. all four. Yeah. So it's it's absurd. You have to understand and internalize the fact that every day your name is going to be in lights and you're going to be the janitor and everybody's going to be mad and stuff's going to break on the internet and you have to enjoy all of that. And if you don't, no place being it. Yeah. Um, There's a wonderful special on Amazon Prime right now. I think it's called Born to Win or something like that. You were born to win. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with Zig Ziglar, a uh, really famous salesperson, motivational speaker, been dead for a number of years now, but a lot of our modern day contemporaries that we think are such geniuses really just borrow a lot of what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe if that name doesn't sound that familiar to everybody, I'm sure many of you have heard of Dave Ramsey, right? Dave Ramsey, yeah. really uh, popular guy when it comes to personal finance and getting out of debt, really popular radio program and has all sorts of information products and books and what have you. So he's one of the people who learned directly from Zig Ziglar and he's actually in, I'm not going to ruin the special documentary for all you guys. Thank you. I was going to say, is this a spoiler alert? (laughs) um, It's really interesting what he said because he's a lot more famous than all of us combined and maybe everybody even listening, right? I mean, he's like one of the, he's definitely like a big giant business owner, keynote speaker, you know, has real name recognition, all that kind of stuff. 
So he said something really interesting when it came to failure. So he's talking all about how he remembers where he was thinking like, oh, if I could just get on Oprah or, you know, some bi- you know, big name X mm-hmm. show report, whatever. Okay, then I'll know that I've made it. And after a while, I just realized that it's just incremental steps and really you're just standing on a pile of garbage yeah. that you're able to even get to this point, right? right. So I think people need to understand failure differently than the world obsesses over entrepreneurship. Like what's, what does this mean, entrepreneur? Like you quit your job and then, you know, you go to some coffee shop, you get your little MacBook, whatever. <laughs> oh, look at me, I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's the goal of this isn't to look cool. The goal of this is to succeed and being successful is helping others, not just Mm -hmm. yourself. You can just stay in whatever job. So I just, I I really don't understand the way people look at failure. I want to fail all the time because I know that I'm going to get better from it. And it's not really healthy to succeed all the time. Life throws you all sorts of challenges that you have to overcome. This is so true. And you get in that success mentality, you know, you, we have sprints, you know what I mean? And when I have a sprint of success, I promise you, it wakes me up at night. I'm like, I'm about to hit a wall. Oh gosh, it's going to hurt. You know what I mean? Because that's not life. You know what I mean? That's not entrepreneurship. That's not reality. And the definition of entrepreneurship is the one that assumes the risk. So a risk is something that is a gamble. It is a shooting dice at the wall. And I'm never going to come up with a perfect seven every day. You know what I mean? And so in starting and starting your businesses, um, especially the one that you started with your wife, which is amazing. I want to hear all about this because, you know, individuals really feel like, oh, I to work with my spouse we're so compatible yeah work (laughs) 14 years is a long time but you know whenever I whenever I see so much success you do you worry you know what I mean because you can have a good run at it and when I say good run at it I mean like a solid three days if I can get a Monday through Wednesday and the world hasn't collapsed I'm like winning you know but I would love to I would love to really dive into that what does that look like for you uh, as a partner so it just in terms of working with my wife? Yeah, as a partnership, yeah. that's amazing. We should write a book, how to you know not murder each other and work <laughs> together. I think the, the main thing to know there is that you focus on different parts of the business, so you're not overlapping and overstepping too much. Mm-hmm. I think that's really all that there is to it, and just yeah. kind of keep boundaries yeah. with it. Yeah, and I think that's the, the, the formula of being successful with any partnership, is when there's too much overlap, then you do start running into those deep yeah, issues. You need the other person for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you know, like like you said, just pivoting into your success factor. What is it that? What is the failure that you attribute to making me successful today? Hmm. So I I like to fail. I don't expect to win. I am a grateful individual every day that I can wake up in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not the guy who's going to be like, oh, I'm having such a bad day. Actually, you know what? Like, uh, to be honest, I was really in a bad mood this morning. You know, I, I just kind of woke up and I'm like, you know, I'm just so mentally exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's yeah. so, people are so irrational right now. Yeah. And yeah. you have to think for everyone day and night and think of all these ideas and get it all in the media and have all this pressure it's exhausting, right? It so, yeah, I mean, I, there's just good parts of the day. Like, I just had to walk around the block earlier today because I just, I kind of felt like a failure. I'm like, well, since I felt like a failure, I might as well get on the show. Let's go. <laughs> right? So, this is a perfect time. <laughs> I think that a key to being a, a great 
successful entrepreneur is to just really be a, a critic of oneself, right? So mm-hmm. I don't just settle and say, oh, well, you know, this is the best that I'm ever going to do. So I'm just going to, that's it. I, I'm just yeah. there. I think yeah. that it's all of those incremental steps to greatness. And some of them, you know, you're going to step down. Some of them, you're going to fall behind. And that's okay. But yes. if you think of it like running a marathon, I'm not a marathon runner. I'm in okay shape, but not, not really. But <laughs> we're all getting weight for COVID-19, right? All right. So, so think about this, everybody. If you are a marathon runner, which marathon runner is going to win? So you got person A over here. So person A is just looking straight along and running their race trying to beat their own time against the clock. I'm not wearing a watch, but you know, mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. And person B is doing all this crap. Mm. Yeah. What are all those persons doing? I just, I don't understand that mentality. When we get obsessed of how people think on how we look and all of that, it's a, there's almost a blessing in disguise of being the underdog, which is always incorrectly stated and being a failure or whatever that means because the failure is just the other side of success or what you need to dive into to get into success. Right. 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 So really just being able to stay in your zone and being focused in a time when people are just out of their mind unfocused. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm not minimizing death and suffering, all these things. This is all, you know, horrible what's going on. Right. And I, I honestly, I think it's going to get worse. I think there's probably a second wave and all that. I don't understand where everybody's like, yay, we won. It's like, well, we didn't cure anything. So why are we all going outside again? Right. But I guess, <laughs> we're inside. That's a different <laughs> kind of failure. Yeah. If you notice everybody, we're all inside right now. So <laughs> that. But by no means am I your doctor, lawyer, or sure. uh, medical health professional. Yeah. So yeah, I just, yeah. I, I don't really get all that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah I mean, all, just try to make some progress every day. And some, some of that is just, um, well, you know what? Let, let's do a little thought experiment. Okay. I think that part of this is a, a certain level of mental reframing that people need to do. Now, mm. this is something I, I've said a bunch of times. So if you follow me around, you know, skip ahead the next two minutes, but I'll try to say it interestingly. So yeah. I think that there's, there's three models of how you can behave in a time like this. Mm-hmm. The first two you've heard all day. And then the third one you never really considered because you didn't realize that you could do something this great. So one is being resilient. By the way, this works for people. This works with economic models, whatever. So everybody's resilient, 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 resilient. Let's be resilient in COVID-19. Children are resilient. You just hear this stupid mindless trope all the time. And okay, but like, let's actually break it down. What is resilience, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's just pretend we're playing a video game, right? And you're the star, of the, you're the hero, you're the star of the show. You start with 100 health, hit points, whatever. Mm-hmm. Life comes and just smacks you down. Yeah. Now you're 25. Uh-oh. But don't worry, I'm going to get back up from my failure. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be resilient. And I'm going to go from 25 to 30 to 50 to 75 to 80, 90, maybe even 100. I will have bounced back by being resilient. Resilient, that's pretty, right. That's pretty good. Sure. Because it's sure a heck of a lot better than the next model, reset the game, to being fragile. Same you, same 100%. Yeah. Life smacks you. No, wait, sorry. This hand. There we right. go. Life smacks you <laughs> down to 25. And then maybe you stay at 25 and maybe at the end, you're, you never come back. You're fragile. You can't deal with it. Now, reset again. Let's think of something called anti-fragile. You start at 100. Life mm-hmm. smacks you to 25. And then from all the failures and all the stuff that you had to do along the way, wow, you come along 
at 500 or a thousand and better than ever. So yeah. that takes a heck of a lot of mental discipline. And we all have our moments, myself mm-hmm. included. But if you can somehow summon the inner fortitude, especially right now, I don't think the fortunes of the world actually happened when people put their money in like a 2% savings account or the stock market and all this stuff. If you actually look back at any generation, you would see things like war, pandemic, transportation, the gold rush, yeah, the age, the industrial revolution, all these different things. So when thing when the world completely changes its model, if you can be rational and anti-fragile in a place like that, all those failures, so-called failures that you've done before, almost make it like you and I have been training for the Iron Man. The Boston Marathon. When everybody's like, so how are you doing? I'm like, well, I've been like semi-virtual for seven years and dealt with a heck of a lot more uh, personal challenges than a lot of this. So yeah. all things considered, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not happy about what's going on. Sure. And I mean, business-wise, we're busier than ever because in a good market, things are good. But in a down market where people can't waste their money on stupid marketing things and all sorts of endless conferences and travel and everybody's busy, everybody's sitting in front of a computer and I'm getting all sorts of media. I mean, we're in the media like every few hours. So yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. I believe that. And that is amazing it's though for that strong. point. Yeah. I say it one more time. I'm sorry to hear you. Failure makes you strong. It makes you strong. Failure yeah. makes you not just resilient, but anti-fragile. They are not the same thing. People misuse that word resilient. It drives me nuts. There's a specific guy who's an economist. He wrote the whole book about the black swan and that whole like one moment over time. That's going to be like 90% of what happens. The same guy who's just a genius mm-hmm. also is the one who talked about anti-fragile. I don't think I've heard of that word before him. And somebody... Yeah. A friend of mine and I were kind of talking about some stuff the other day. I'm like, wow, that's such a good name. That is such a good word to define what to aspire to try to do in a time like this. That's it. Yeah. I, I, you saw me write it down. I'm like anti-fragile because that is the, that is really what we're all aspiring to be. You know, we talk about mental toughness and things like that, but it is that point of not being fragile. I'm extremely transparent, which is why I started this podcast and web series, because I enjoy a talking about my mistakes. You know, as I stated, as a tale to whomever's in, has been in business, aspiring to get in business, all of those things, but it takes not being fragile. It takes an anti-fragile mindset to be able to say, to be able to, to say, I'm going to take this, this time and find a way to be able to pivot. I'm, you know, as a company, um, we're looking at this time as, you know, we've, uh, our, my staff is furloughed or a large percentage of them, of them are. Because a lot of our contracts were like, well, we're waning, we're not sure these things are happening. We were in a position to say, how about we try something different? How about mm-hmm. we pull off all of those amazing ideas that we've had in the past, but they weren't billable, so we didn't actually do them and dust them off, you know, blow the dust off of them and launch something that is absolutely beautiful, but it takes an anti-fragile mentality to be able to just exactly. say, I'm still going to get up. I'm still going to go to that computer. I'm not going to binge watch dead to me, even though between that and Ozark, it's so good and it's so tempting to do. I'm going to well, fight through this. Let me say one quick thing about binge watching, because I yeah. see a lot of these like productivity talking heads on the internet. I haven't really taken too much time because I hate a lot of the content that's happening right now because people are just spinning uncontrollably. But just before all this, 
<clears throat> I didn't like what people are saying. It's like, you, you must read, you must try really hard and never take a break and you can't binge watch. Why the heck not? Why not? If I couldn't just stop and binge watch and kind of cool off and maybe play some video games with my kids or whatever, I think I'd lose my mind, right? right? Because you have the opportunity, which is not an opportunity, to just work around the clock and it's so mentally unhealthy. So I think just giving your brain an opportunity to kind of crash, reset and whatnot is so important. So for everybody who's like, no, you can't binge watch. You must 10 exit and 100 exit and you have to kill it every minute of the day. What the heck? Like, are you human? Are you all robots? Are you some sort of <laughs> artificial intelligence trying to take over the scene? No, yeah, yeah. you're allowed to do yeah. any of this. Whatever you need to kind of recenter, go for it. Do it. And your body will tell you what you need. You know, last night, yeah. I mentioned dead to me because it's top of mind because I watched eight episodes like this. I mean, <laughs> I needed it. My body told me what I needed. And that's what I, I, I leaned all the way into it. Because as entrepreneurs, we tend to have an unhealthy relationship with time in that mm -hmm. I, especially now, you know what I mean? Because I don't have the commute time to office or meetings in between and things like that. So right. because that's happening, the relationship with time is like, I could always work. I can always pull out my laptop. I can fall asleep in the bed with it now and open it back up and schedule another meeting and send this one email and that one last post and all of those right. things. Why not? You know what I mean? So setting a healthy, you know, identifying that, you you know, the first way to get over something is to identify there's a problem. So I have a problem with time. <laughs> she and I butt heads all the time, but I'm learning those parameters. You know what I mean? And that is whenever I look at a lot of my failures, I've, I've sold my business before um, uh, in 2014. And it was, uh, well, I relinquished it to a partner and it was because of time failure. I had hit a wall where I said, I can't do it anymore. I wanted to sit at a desk and I wanted to be a number two or a number 19. I didn't care. You know, I, because of my unhealthy relationship with time, I got to a point where I simply didn't want to do something that I had been passionate about for my whole adult life. Right. And it's because of those things that you can ward them off by acknowledging that this is where I am. I came to a complete crash. Like I just wanted to read fashion magazines and follow my fingernails. And that's not my personality, but that is what my body was saying I had to do because right. I had gotten so hyper-focused on something that wasn't realistic. That was completely- yeah, so listen to that voice Because entrepreneurship, I don't care how good, bad, whatever you're doing, is very psychologically unhealthy. Leading in Color is a podcast hosted by Dion Stokes, founder of Joint Effort, business marketing consulting, and me, Marta Miranda Stroud, founder of Catapult Now, an organization and leadership development and training firm. We thrive on engaging in raw, courageous conversations and topics that unpack systems of oppression that impact leaders at the margins of white, patriarchal culture. So I went to the protest, and when I went to the protest, there weren't a lot of white faces in the crowd. And I thought, what's wrong with this scenario? Because, you know, people have been organizing about all these issues, and in the, the white activist community, there was this question, why don't black people join our movements? Right, as opposed to, why aren't we at the table in their movement? We are passionate about naming and dismantling the barriers of implicit bias raising consciousness, and forging new ways to think about leadership that does not replicate power over others and create transformational leadership models. 
based on systems of liberation. Join Leading in Color. Join the revolution. Right? I mean, it's crazy. You look at some of these people. Like, look at that Elon Musk guy, right? I'm like, what is he talking about? You know, like, he's going to fight the government and reopen anyway. And like, I don't know. Like, some of these guys, like, just scare me. I remember- And you're seeing it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A few years ago, there was a wonderful piece on Inc. Magazine talking about the psychological uh, psychological price of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And the author talks all about how entrepreneurship is like riding a lion. So to everybody else in the world, it's like, yes, I'm riding a lion. Amazing. Right. But you're just like in a fetal position, like just dying. Like, how did I get on this lion and how am I going to get off of here? <laughs> yeah. And that's just surreal, right? I mean, aside from the lion part, it's horrifying. And who do we talk to about all this stuff? Except when we just get on here and all the listeners you're listening, right? And listen and vent and, and find your find your your people. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's something very it, it's something very comforting to know that you're not alone. You know what I mean? And that was the the underlying premise of, of this show as well, is to realize that whatever that burnout, whatever that failure is. You're not alone. I talk about partners uh, because I started this show shortly after a failed partnership, which I'd never tried before. Mm-hmm. And I decided I'm going to try a partnership. So I get in this partnership, <laughs> and we we didn't play by the rules. We had all we had both been solopreneurs, you know, in uh-huh. our own respects for many years, managing, nice. you know. If anywhere between, you know, zero to 25 individuals. So we both had an understanding of how this works. But when we became partners and our responsibilities, goals, aspirations, focuses started getting even close to each other, we mm-hmm. completely butted heads. It was horrible. And mm-hmm. I realized that I, you know, I took time off. I was ready to get back in business and I got back in business with a partner. And that was my, that was one of my major, that was a major fail for me because it was not who I was as an entrepreneur for me personally. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a partnership, but I got into it wrong. You know what I mean? And when you try to enter a partnership out of need, desperation, or an opportunity that you perceive is going to benefit you, you're in it for the wrong reasons. You know what I mean? So I can't blame anybody but myself for those things, you know? Yeah, you mm-hmm. can't blame a partner. You just shouldn't have gotten into it, I hear. Yeah, I don't understand, honestly, why a lot of people do some of these partnerships. I'm just like, I'm already married. Do I need to, like, go kind of replicate Married that someone else? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a flawed thinking. And then people will be like, oh, but I'm not good at marketing. I'm not good at sales. It's like, go hire them, learn it. Why do you need to partner that? Why don't have to... It's like, well, maybe you don't have a full business yet. Maybe yeah. you can flesh that out more. I, I think a lot of people, they fail before they succeed. And, you know, you hear a lot of, oh, businesses, uh, all these meaningless stats. It's like, oh, XYZ businesses fail after one year, two years, five years, seven years. They never reach uh, above X dollars of money, whatever. But a lot of failure, aside from all those distractions, mm-hmm. people fail when they succeed, right? So they finally get yeah. recognized. They go viral. Everybody's talking about them on the internet. And then they're like, oh, uh, what do I do? I How do I do this? Yeah, I've never been here. 15 minutes. I don't want to be famous, right? So failure is great because it allows us all of that mental space to come back again stronger. To come back, yeah. And it, it, and it, real, it, it helps you be anti-fragile. I need that as a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> 
feel it. <laughs> it's gonna take me about five years to go back and get a tattoo. I promise to you guys. I don't know when I'm gonna go to the grocery store and stop ordering groceries. But it, I I love that idea because it does. It takes you to be anti fragile and to say this isn't working and to not be afraid to pivot. Not be afraid to say, this is what I thought was working. This is what I thought was working for me. And I see it's not. You know what I mean? I, you, oh, I live it. You want to hear yeah. about the that we did? So I didn't start by doing infographics. I mean, I'm oh. probably like the company in the world that started doing it in 2008. But yeah. I already told you that I started this company in 2006. Mm. And if you recall, I started in tech before yeah. I got into marketing. I couldn't stand tech anymore because tech is just weird. And there's all these people that like try to make themselves feel superior talking about all these little acronyms and just typing oh, through yeah. the cave and <laughs> they're all awkward and can't talk to people and that, that ain't me. So I'm just like, <laughs> I'd rather communicate with people. And I, I'm grateful for just understanding like both sides of how people think left mm-hmm. and right brain. And that is really useful in marketing. It really kind of gets into the, like the neuroscience and the tech and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But when I first started the business, it was really at the very beginning of social media getting on the scene. Mm-hmm. And I saw after the first couple of years, everybody's like, oh, wow, I'm a social media expert because I'm on Twitter and I retweet some blog or whatever. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's just getting to the point where like so many different directions. There's going to be some people that do landing page pages. Some people do PVC. Some people do reputation management. Yeah, or, you know, Twitter so will change their count that are down and like I get a hundred questions it's like no I can't be everything to everyone so I thought that we were gonna fail just continuing that way so that's when we really narrowed our specificity and got into just doing it like that and it's not just like I said just the art it's all the storytelling and it's all all that stuff in the media mm-hmm. so I don't know I just thought that social just saying that you're gonna be some generalist is a fail yeah. I don't think anybody wants this world. If, yeah. if you can't just say, hey, Dion, what are you good at? If you mm-hmm. go on and you bore me to death for like five paragraphs of stuff, yeah, right, exactly. Just yeah. game over, forget it. Yeah. I, I'm not going to be interested. My brain can't even handle it. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm just not going to even want to talk to them again to even try to understand what they do because they Let themselves alone. don't even understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't even know. Yeah. And you know, but yeah. this, this is, I'm sorry, go ahead. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Yeah. The thing that I wanted to know is when you were deciding to pivot out of tech or even pivot within what you offer, you know, uh, with infographics, was that a scary time? Because you're, you're, you're saying, I, you know, I hear a lot of individuals as, you know, as a consultant that say, I, I enjoy doing this, or this is what I'm, this is what people would like for me to do, but I don't like doing it. And I want to move to what I enjoy doing, what I'm more passionate about, as opposed to what I'm semi-passionate about and what I kind of get money or paid to do. Was that hard for you to do as a business owner? Because yeah, I don't care what people think. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that it's something that takes a while to actually like have enough guts to say something like that because a lot of us just go through the nine to five and we're people pleasing and all of that. I'm not making fun of people who work for someone as opposed to being an entrepreneur. But after a while, if you've already been doing that rodeo for a while and you can see what works, I was basically looking at the world. I'm like, social's exploding in too many directions. So mm-hmm. I know that although this is good right now, this will fail in the future. So yeah. I have to go down a road And I just looked at the possibilities of what that was. I don't have a magic crystal ball. I mean, 
You could say the same thing for doing social in 2006. I mean, that was before there were Facebook pages and you would just have brands with users, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. So I'm just like insane and usually early on stuff. But I feel like I like to get into things when it's early, but when I see like a huge potential uptick on it. So for me, I guess every day is scary because you're an entrepreneur or whatever, but I felt pretty good about it. But yeah, yeah. to your point, it's insane. I mean, I basically was telling people, it's like, hey, I'm not doing social media anymore. And they're like, what are you talking about? You're like the social media expert guy that I look through for all this stuff. So I'm like, well, it should tell you something that I super believe in this other thing here. And let's do that instead. Let's do that so thing. And if you is- trust me, follow me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I like that because, you know, it is one of those things. If you have, if you find a brand that you really trust and they seem to be moving, follow them. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you see people running for an exit. You should probably start inching towards that. Yeah, this guy who's been professionally on the internet for 23 years might know a few things by now. Having enough to <laughs> knocks around. Right? Just a few things. I would hope. I mean, I'm still sitting around here. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I just, I lean into the stuff that I know I can be good at just kind of with all the mental models of the stuff before. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that, like we found each other on LinkedIn. A yeah. lot of people just know me from LinkedIn. They're like, wow, this is amazing. This is so cool. You do like a live broadcast and I'll watch all 45 minutes. I'm like, I know because this is run through my head like a thousand freaking times. Yeah. I didn't just think it today. This is the yeah. culmination of a lot of thought for years, mm-hmm. right? So people don't understand that a lot of that journey and, oh, it's just so easy or whatever. It just comes from years and years and years of experience and all yeah. those mental models. Yeah. And, and doing that. And so though, I mean, the, the key, key takeaway is to listen, listen to the people that have done it before, you know, find those individuals and attach yourself to them. Because mm-hmm. I saw an infographic that you all did about, um, was it on, I don't want to get it wrong. The <laughs> like expos and, um, conferences and things like that, you know, Yes. Yeah. Can you please speak to that? Because I know that a lot of individuals, I know that you were planning on going to South by Southwest. I was hoping to be able to shake your hand there. Um, wow. Maybe not this year and then years to come. And now, you know, all of those things are all gone. What does that look like for us in the future? And if you could really break down that as kind of our, one of our last takeaways on how to not allow not having that as a key networking opportunity continue to propel you to be successful, because that's the way a lot of us found our business, you know, or put individuals. Yeah. In yeah. And it's a great way of being known. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very important question. So let's frame the question with something before that question. Okay. I think a lot of people are over optimistic. There, there are many different biases that are in our brains, one of which is the status quo bias. So right. everybody had a hard time believing that coronavirus was going to be bad because everything is so good. We we're like the most prosperous society in the history of the world. What do you mean things are going to be terrible? That's just over there in China. Oh, sure, it's in the United States, but it's just in one nursing home in Seattle. Oh, wait, it's in New York. Oh, wait, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe everyone has it, right? So people are bad at looking at when the home team doesn't win, shall we say, right? So. I think a lot of people were very overly optimistic that this was just going to be like watching Independence Day and Will Smith's just going to come in and blow up the alien and <laughs> within a few hours, everything will just be fine and we'll just get up from our seats and leave our popcorn for somebody else to clean up. Right. But guess what, folks? Yeah. Nobody's cleaning all that up. We got to go clean up our own messes. So we need to understand that this could be years. We might never go back to normal. And I mean, look, like if you could go 
travel and get on an airplane and go somewhere with people all over the world and get into proximity and shake their hands. Would you even want to right now? No, of course not. You're like, I'm going to pass on that. Get away from me. And you'd retract Mm -hmm. your hand. You'd stand six feet away or 10 feet away or whatever. And you'd spray hand sanitizer and you're tongue and you just be like, ah, just get away from me, right? Like, it's just insane. Like, just the thought of it. Yeah, crazy. crazy. No way I'd want to do that. No. (laughs) We just need to understand that for the time, for the short and probably midterm, Mm -hmm. conferences probably aren't going to be a thing. So now we have, I'm going to say it, now we have webinars. So for those of you who've never been in a webinar, let me explain how it works. Don't First, you have horrible technology that's yeah. been around for a really long time, mm-hmm. and you have a talking head that lets you sign up for free, and then they mess around with the technology, and they ask if it's on 10 times. Yeah. And then you Can see you hear me? PowerPoint. Can you hear me? Oh, is everybody hearing? Oh, just yeah. we're recording. I don't know. Is it recording? Hey, get Jimmy from an IT. Yeah. So just all this failure. You Now you know why I hate technology, because it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the promise of technology is great, but actual technology sometimes leaves a lot for the mind to be desired. (laughs) Oh yeah, a little bit. So you have this horrible webinar PowerPoint presentation and it's free, but then they sell you on something and then they market Mm -hmm. horrible emails to you forever. So conferences, which is a, you know, a $1.5 trillion world industry because everyone has conferences for everything. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what you do. There's conferences about conferences, Mm -hmm. endless. (laughs) So how are we going to take this giant bucket of opportunity and being known and deal flow and meeting people and shaking hands and all that and shove it into this webinar thing? Here's a hint. You can't. You can't. You have to change the game. And I think, and a lot of things that we've been through in our lifetimes, right? So like when we had the whole world get destroyed from the Great Recession and the mortgage housing crisis, Mm -hmm. you had entirely new business models. You had Airbnb shake things up. You had Uber shake things up and all sorts of stuff like that. Not going to comment on how great they're doing right now, but that's not important right now. Sure. (laughs) We will come out of this that will be for the good. So guess what? Maybe we can have a better online experience. So the infographic that you're talking about and certainly my mindset of how this stuff is going to be, you will have better quality virtual summits that are Mm -hmm. coming soon. There's a lot of next level tech that I've been personally witnessing that's trying to recreate the experience instead of talking head, horrible PowerPoint and spam Mm -hmm. to close to human yeah. Kind of like what we're doing right now. It's not perfect, but you right. get a feel for me and I get a feel for you. Yeah. And it's not just a horrible email spam pitch or whatever garbage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I hope you're healthy and well. I hope you're healthy and well. Here's all the things we're doing for COVID 19. I'm like, unsubscribe. Get out of my inbox. And I think it's affecting my mind. I, I yeah. cannot look at email anymore. Just, mm-hmm. you know, if yeah. you're emailing people, please stop emailing. Just please stop. I, we're asking. Please leave us alone. We're not eating. We're not reading them. <laughs> I don't care, right? Like I know. Yes, I'm sitting there too. And don't ask me. You know, don't talk down to me. Don't say. Don't ask me if I'm bored. The Ambition Planner was mindfully curated for the ambitious woman of faith. As a CEO and founder of multiple companies, from a forensic marketing agency to a tech company, my days and schedule are full. As a woman of faith, it was very, very important to me to be able to find a planner that encompassed all of the things that I was looking for. Starting my day spiritually centered, being able to think about the things that I was grateful for in a culturally inclusive planner, I just could not find it. So I created the Ambition Planner. You and I till the end, no 
mission is to empower women of faith by organizing their day with a planner that offers spiritual guidance, boosts productivity, and helps identify and obtain their daily goals. The purpose of the Ambition Planner is to provide a sacred space for women to plan their day, set their goals and intentions while staying spiritually centered and productivity driven. The Ambition Planner's vision is to become every woman's most valuable productivity resource. Purchase the Ambition Planner at theambitionplanner.com. There you'll be able to pick your planner, your cover, and the best thing is, is our planners are broken down into quarters. Therefore, quarter three is just around the corner. Again, for more information, visit our website at theambitionplanner.com and start on your ambitious journey today. Just makes me so mad. I'm sure anyway. you're bored right now. Yeah. So you're bored right now. You know what? Actually, I'm really busy and I'm not bored. And thank you for reminding me to unsubscribe and report you as spam on top of the unsubscribe. Yeah. I'm loving this. <laughs> the opposite of the subscribe button on the YouTubes of the world. Exactly. So virtual summits will be a thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it will replace a lot of what people look for in the experience. Because if you yeah. think about the way that world works, there's almost three little orb spheres of excellence that happen. Mm -hmm. One is quality programming and speakers. This is supposed to be a sphere. Yeah, I don't have to see it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so that one spinning over here. Then we've got the networking and all the stuff that's happening on the sidelines and whatever. And then you have some kind of like trade show and vendors and stuff like that. So the stuff that will win is part tech and all the different realities that will come from that mm -hmm. and part programming. And I think when people will start to see, hey, you know what? I would spend money for this because it's an incredible experience and I can network with all these people and get known. A lot of my friends are keynote speakers and I'm yeah. noticing and I'm and the ones who aren't, I'm telling, I'm like, you're not a keynote speaker anymore. Uh -uh. Let's try that again. You are a virtual keynote speaker because that's what the world's dealing with for the, the interim and probably for a while. So unless you want to go out of business for a while, you better rebrand and restructure. Mm-hmm. Read that up. Yeah, that is great. That is a great takeaway because that is one of the biggest ways that I've seen uh, individuals fail. I've, I've been asked to speak at uh, three conferences this year and I've declined. I'm not going in June. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> well, maybe. And we're pre-selling tickets. And if we're going to reimburse individuals and da -da 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 -da. Then why? why even do it? I mean, that's like a predicted failure. Why? Like, I love to fail, but sure. why would I want to colossally fail for everybody to see when I'm almost positive that the thing can't happen with circumstances beyond my control? Why? I don't plan it. It happens and I deal with it, but I don't right. set out for this thing to happen. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at some point, I'd also like to win. I mean, the failure report and sometimes win, right? And sometimes win. <laughs> yeah, eventually, if nobody pays you and you suck all the time, you probably need to do something else yeah. or just get better at what you're doing. At what yeah. you're doing. You're absolutely right. I absolutely, I love that. That is a perfect way to end this episode is that there's a failure report, but you sometimes win. <laughs> and that yeah. is our whole goal is to be able to give these nuggets of information to help you to win. And so, you know, you've talked so much about how your failures have transformed the way that you do business. And I so appreciate that because, and I took notes and I'm never going to forget being anti-fragile. Please know that because it yeah. is so important to anyone's success. If you're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, it is an, yeah, extremely so. important to know that you cannot be fragile, especially during this time. You know, it's time to obey your body, listen to what your body and your mind wants to do, be your very best self, show up, you know what I mean? And then hopefully come out of this better or not. 
and you'll be okay too. <laughs> okay. So this is the time. Coming out of this at all is a success, correct? Exactly. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. So we have a few things that I like to wrap up our show with. We have two things. Great. One is our shameless shout outs and the other is our rapid fire questions. So we're going to start with shameless shout outs. I want to be able to tell everyone where to find you, what to do. I need to know how to find your website. So if anybody needs infographics, and I'm not talking about the little long skinny thing that you can print off on Canva, that's not it. These infographics are absolutely next level. I don't have the vocabulary to explain it, but if you go to his website, follow on LinkedIn, you'll see what I'm saying. So can I tell you, please tell me all the places where individuals can find and follow you. Yes. So because there are hundreds of thousands of people named Brian Wallace, don't try with Brian Wallace because that's just silly. You're going to find <laughs> a lot of sports players and senators and who knows what. Right. Uh, I'll show up, but that's just so distracting. Right. So I, on basically every social media handle there is, I go by the name of my company, which is Now Sourcing, and you can always find us at nowsourcing.com. I also have a podcast called Next Action, which I actually paused. And I, funny enough, just asked the question today, hey, should I go restart the podcast? I feel like a lot, I'm just like, I'm so busy. I don't know if I have the mental fortitude to take on another regular thing. So what I've actually been doing is doing a lot of LinkedIn lives. I usually do those Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. I stopped doing those for a while too. I just needed some headspace, but I like having creative outlets. So I do plan on doing those regularly. And And you're funny. I would just love to listen to your show. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, like people say like, hey, you have a really nice voice, Brian. I'm like, well, that's not the creepiest thing that's ever been said on the internet. But thank you. That's part of why I do a podcast and part of why I talk. People just literally like the way that I sound and it's kind of fun. I'll say really good stuff in there and people will be like, wait, you're just like some straight up guy like with the suit and you said that? What? You said that? Not yeah. computing, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, right. hey, that, that'll keep me inter- entertained. So that works. Yeah. So those are all the main places to find me out there. And uh, the podcast is at nextaction.cc. Nextaction.cc. And we can listen to your podcast on what which platforms on your website or would you prefer Spotify, LinkedIn? I mean, uh, Spotify, iTunes. I like where people like to find it. So it's yeah. on everything. It's on everything. That's how it should be. It should be omni. Absolutely. So next part is our rapid fire. You're ready. What color is your toothbrush? Color is my toothbrush. So my tooth, I like actually going through different toothbrushes. So hopefully you will vary the colors. I do not give a lot of thought to things like that, but I remember what color it is and it's red right now. It's red. I love it. One thing that is at the very top of your bucket list. Top of my bucket list. Uh, Really to just stay anti-fragile because I think that it's so hard. Some days, this day included, I just woke up and I was just in just a terrible mood. I just yeah. couldn't do anything. I had to take a walk around the block. Yeah. I just needed a reset. You just needed a reset. My sleep was just disturbed. I don't know. I think just really finding the right balance and harmony and knowing when to take a break is super important. It's so super that important. That is true. Yeah, it's a persistent bucket list thing. So it's like some people will be like, ah, I want to climb Mount Everest and take fancy pictures going around in Bali. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I just, I want to be in like better control of my mind and really have a, a good force of habit. That's awesome. I love that. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Ice cream flavor. Oh man, that one, it depends on what we're talking about. So mm. you're in the land, you and I are in the land of graders. So for those of you who don't know that one, oh, you're so missing out. Aren't they? Um, yeah. Uh, so if it was graters, I'd probably be going for cookies and cream. But if I was going for more like a halo top kind of thing, I might go with like a sea salt caramel. 
Mm, love it. Yeah, and now I'm really hungry, so thank you for that. No problem. <laughs> You're very welcome. Three words to describe yourself. Oof. I know these are hard, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good one. So something that I love to tell people, every time you show up, I like to show up to be unforgettable. I don't care if people are like, oh, anti-fragile, or what was that thing you said about failure, this or that, or what LinkedIn, where should I? I don't care about any of that. So if I do something else five years from now, I just want to be unforgettable. Yeah. So like I play a little game with people. Sorry, I know this is a lightning round, but this is so oh, no, important. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I play this little game with people a lot of times where if I'm giving a talk somewhere or if I'm doing a live LinkedIn, this and that, like I don't even want them to know what I do for a living. I just want mm-hmm. them to like just get on what I like to call the cult of Ryan. And then right. I'm probably going to be more interesting than like kind of everybody else in your LinkedIn feed, let's face it, because everybody yeah. else is throwing up this like copy and paste trash that they heard from somebody else. And I've bothered to think about things. Right. So by default is probably going to win most of the time. So mm-hmm. I like it when people just start following me for a while, they really get a sense of who I am, what I'm about. Because I think that people buy from people that they know, like, and trust. They do. And yeah. I think that if you're going to like be outbound and cold call and hard sell right now, nobody's got any time for that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just going to sound like regular telemarketing. So I want to be a, a force of attraction that people want to come to me and they just kind of want to be around. And I feel like they feel like I'm talking to just them. Yeah. Right. As opposed to, I could be talking to thousands of people, but it's still going to feel like it's just you. And that's not that. a sales tactic. That's just, ha- that's the default of how I am. Yeah, yeah. I love it. My three words for you, a force, memorable, and you're funny. I love your personality. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Likewise. I love it. And the last question would be the next five minutes. What are you planning to do as soon as we end this show? Other than uh, get some ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Check my freezer and see what ice cream we've got left that the kids did not devour. Um, feels like a little early in the day for ice cream, but you know, it's been a day, so maybe I should have a little ice cream. I love it. Uh, yeah. I think my, my instinct after I do like a long form deep dive into something is how much stuff do I have to catch up on? Yeah, so yeah. I'm probably going to check social and I'm going to check email and Slack for the team and then just like treat it like a triage emergency room. It's like, all right, like what can I do? What can I delete? And totally unsubscribe from all day. I've never unsubscribed from so much stuff in my life. Oh my gosh. Keep up the bad work, everybody. Everybody. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bring it on into my inbox. I'm happy to unsubscribe on the hour. And yeah, so I just, I feel like, um, I like to just, I'm not one of these people where it's like, I just check email twice a day or whatever. I like to be really fast. Yeah. And you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that that's just a better way to show up. It is. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, people say that they don't do that because they don't want to set an unrealistic precedence for themselves. But I like that. Who we can. Everybody just wants to sound cool. Oh, I'm just doing the three hour work week for those last three hours. Give me a break. (laughs) Like, everyone works hard. That's part of how this works. You want to show off and say you just work 30 minutes a week? I think you're full of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to be really good at stuff and put a lot of effort into things, or it's very likely you're going to fail. And yeah. we all love failure, but we don't love failing all the time. No. You can't succeed unless you have failure and it makes it all the sweeter. It does. I love that. I love that. Mr. Brian Wallace, also known on all social platforms as now sourcing 
thank you, thank you, thank you for consenting to be on this episode, for making me laugh, for making me want ice cream. I appreciate it. And for sharing your failure report. I mean, it's meant a lot to me. So we're forever connected. You guys, please make sure you follow him on all social platforms. Check out his podcast and uh, we'll stay connected. Thank you guys again for being here. Thank you again, Brian, for being on our show today. A great pleasure. Absolutely. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you to those who sponsored and supported this episode. And the biggest thank you to Sophia Mobley Photography and Videography for being the dopest producer, sound engineer, and editor in the land. Please like, share, and subscribe at The Failure Report on YouTube, Facebook, Facebook Watch, Instagram, IGTV, and on Twitter at Report Failure since The Failure Report was taken. You can listen on Spotify, iTunes Podcasts, or wherever you consume content. To get notifications on our upcoming episodes, please visit our website at thefailurereport.org. There you can subscribe to become a fellow failure and get access to our blog and merchandise. We have things like mugs, t-shirts, notepads, you know, all the things. I'm Dion Stokes. Thanks so much for listening.